You can uh, open your Bibles to John chapter 15 is where we'll be today. John chapter 15. Uh, get something to take notes with or you can take pictures of the screen. And uh, we're going to dive into God's Word a little deeper today um, than we have uh, recently. Although we've been talking about abiding with God, we're going to go pretty deep today. Um, I'm going to make an announcement, and it feels very funny making this announcement with them not here, but we, we've tried to make this announcement the past few weeks. They just haven't been able to be here. Or they've been doing other things in the church. Uh, today they're in uh, the nursery watching the kids. But um, Doug and Erin, uh, you'll know Erin, she, she helps with the worship team. Doug plays drums often. Uh, and so it's funny to announce this when they're not here, but we have good, good news. She's pregnant again. And uh, so we're, we, uh, you're watching in the nursery, so uh, we're cheering you guys on. But did you notice I said it's good, good news? You know what that means? It means twins. So, uh, so um, at the end of service, we'll be taking up an offering to remodel the nursery. And, uh, but uh, <clears throat> no, we're expecting more good news for more couples along the way. But, but today, uh, Aaron, Doug, we celebrate you and so happy for you. I said, I'll just wait till you're here. And Aaron's like, we need to tell people, just tell them. And so when you see Aaron, uh, she'll be in the nursery afterwards. Just congratulate her and tell her you're praying for her. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just help any way that we can, right? So something I've always loved about our church is the depth at which you love God and want more of God. I've never had somebody tell me, oh, we, let's, let's worship less. It's always, let's worship more. Oh, let's pray less. No, it's let's pray more. You know, let's, don't preach so much. You know, it's like, oh, I want more of the word. It, this church doesn't like swimming in the shallow end of the pool. I love that. You guys always want to go deeper. Whatever it is, you guys want to go deeper. And I've always been so grateful for that. And so today, we're going deeper. We're talking about abiding with God. We've been doing that since the beginning of the year. But, but for the remainder of uh, January, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this thought. We're in John 15. I'm going to begin at verse 1. I'm going to read the first 10 verses. And there's so much there. Uh, I'm not going to hit it all today in a sermon. You couldn't do it all in just one sermon or one teaching. But I want you to listen to the words, study them this week, and, and get all that's there for us in this teaching on abiding with God. We'll get at verse 1. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. Thanks be to God for his word. Here's the first thing for you to write down today. First thing, abiding in the love of God is the greatest decision you will ever make. Abiding in God is the the greatest decision, abiding in his love, just as The Father loved the Son. He loves us. And if you looked at those verses that we just read, there are so many promises inside of just those 10 verses for you and me. And he says, I want you to abide in me so that you have all of this, that abundant life comes from abiding in his love. And it'll impact every area of your life. I told you we want to go a little deeper today, so I'll just review very quickly because we've already talked about this. It says, Jesus is the vine. But I don't know if you noticed what it said. It says he's the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. And you could also translate that the exclusive vine, the only vine. He is the vine, right? He's the original vine. It says that the the father is the, the vine dresser, or what we would consider a farmer. He's the farmer who owns the land, tends the land, takes care of the land, is interested in the growth of the crops. You know, that's the role of the Father. We also learn that when we abide with Jesus, when we're connected to him, we have life. Disconnected, we are withered and dead. So connected, full of life, disconnected, dead. Connected, there's fruit. Disconnected, there's no fruit. Are you ready to go deeper? Are you sure? Okay. When you abide with God, you have life and you have fruit. But I want you to notice what it says if you are connected and you're bearing fruit. It says the Father will prune you. You didn't want me to go so deep today, did you? There's a pruning process that happens when we abide with God. When we receive that word of the Lord today about sweeping out, I, I was just like, wow, God wants to come into every area of our life. He wants to clean up every area. He wants to prune you and me. And you can be just like, I don't want that, right? I, I like the, the abiding part, but I, I don't like the pruning part. I don't want to go any deeper. But, well, write this down. Following Jesus will cost you but not following Jesus will cost you more. See, if you're going to be his disciple, you're going to, you are going to say, okay, God, whatever you want to do in my life, you're laying your life down. And, and it's going to cost you something. There are going to be things that God prunes in your life, but not following God will cost you even more. Being disconnected is death. Disconnected is withering. No fruit. And and the pruning, I know it's hard, and we're going to talk about it. I know it's going to be hard, but here's the good news is the pruning actually is going to give you strength. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to lead to more abundant life because we have to cut off those things in our life that are dead. We have to cut those things off in our life that are not producing fruit. 
Because if we don't, what that ha- you know why the vine dresser does that? He does it because it's actually stealing nutrients from the fruit. It's, it's stealing. Those dead branches are, even though they're dead, they're still stealing the nutrients that the productive branches need. And so he has to go through and cut those things off. And so this pruning will actually make you stronger. It'll actually, it'll be a great thing. And, and we already know that we're connected to Jesus, right? It, it tells us that. Jesus said, uh, you're connected to me. I've washed you. I've cleansed you with my word. So we're connected to the Lord. And so this message is for us today. So here we're going to even go a little deeper now. So when we think of vines and branches, we usually think of a tree, like a trunk of a tree and branches that come out. But in the Greek and in the context of, of this teaching, we see that he's talking actually about grapevines. That's what he's talking about. We can get that from, again, the Greek, that he's the vine dresser. And, and so I have a picture of, of grapes of, uh, uh, that you see the root there, right? You see the vine. That vine is, is so it, it's producing all the fruit, all the nutrients that, that the, the branches need. And they're actually not called branches, they're called shoots. These shoots are coming out from the vine. And they depend on the vine. They can't sprout by themselves. They're all connected to the vine. They have to be in union with the vine. They have to be in communion. They have to be close. All these things were to be with God in his enduring presence in our life. They have to be connected. But the vine dresser has to go through vine by vine, and he has to look shoot by shoot to see what to take out and what to leave in. If you were watching ads on Facebook at the beginning of the year, or even ads on TV, um, I don't know if you saw, there were so many uh, coming up that, uh, like a, a cleanse system, like you can cleanse your body with this drink that looks terrible, tastes terrible, everything, but it'll cleanse you out. I've had colonoscopies. I don't want to be cleansed out. You know, I don't like being cleansed out. And, and, but you can buy this cleanse and it'll, it'll start you, it'll clean you out. It's like, I don't, you know, this, I'm not trying to be funny, but, but God says, I want to do a spiritual cleansing of you. I want to get the dead things out. I want to get those things that aren't producing fruit. I want to get those things that are actually destroying you, withering you. I want to remove those from your life so that you can have abundant life, so that you can be who I've asked you to be and called you to be. And so that close examination of each branch the Father does, and those, those harmful shoots and branches are taken out. So I don't know about you, write this down. I don't want to wither, I want to abide. Don't wither, abide in God. Don't abide in this world because that will cut you off from God. Don't abide in disobedience because that will cut you off from God. Don't abide in busyness or apathy. That will cut you off from God. Just follow him. Abide with him. Don't wither, abide. Let God prune you and make you strong. Because I declare in God's word, he says, I have good plans for you. We need this pruning process. We need God to come in and have his way. And so, uh, again, what do we learn from what we've talked about so far today? Just, just three things quick. First of all, don't just abide. Allow God to work on you. Allow God to work on you. You know, when we, when we talk about abiding at the beginning of the year, that's good, right? We love it. We worship. Man, God's here. We pray. We see miracles. You know, the word it feels so good and energized. And so abiding feels good. But, but don't stop with the abiding. Allow God to work on you because 
God's work in you is actually a really good thing. Allowing him to point out things in your life, to come in with that broom and sweep some things out. All of those things are good for you. Second thing we learn is that God's work will lead to more fruit in your life. If you feel like you're just surviving, just trying to make it day by day, hoping to make it to the weekend so I can get a, a kind of a spiritual jolt and get through the next week, you're just, you're just surviving. And God doesn't want you just to survive. He wants you to thrive. He wants to be at work in your life all week long. He wants to give you new life. He wants to give you abundant life. We saw that when we abide with him and he's pruning us, that, that any prayer we pray, he answers, right? I mean, there's so many good promises here. So we need to allow God to work in our life because it will produce more fruit in our life. We also see in this passage that, that all of this leads to God's glory. It leads to God's glory. Okay, that's, that's so important because you are a child of God. He's already declared you a child of God. And listen, God takes really good care of his children. He does. And so what we have to do is we, just, we, have, to, we have to submit to his work, to his way. It brings him glory. Live. I don't know about you, but I want to live in all that God has for me. I don't want to just read the first part and like, man, that's great. I love, no, I want, I want it all. God, if, if you need to clean something out, you clean something out. If you've got to change some things, you change some things. Whatever you've got to do, God, you do. I submit to your work. We have a young staff around here. And uh, I'm the old guy, okay? So, so we have a young staff. And it's kind of funny because um, this slips out in conversation every now and then. And I'm, I'm just not used to it. I, I'm probably at an age where we didn't use this vernacular or anything. But every now and then when I'm talking to somebody, they'll call me dude. All right? Dude. And, and it throws me because I'm, I'm not, I don't normally been called dude, you know? I didn't allow my kids to call me dude. You know, it's just like I'm, I'm old, so it's not like... Dude, you know, and that'll come up in conversations. And so I have an emoji on the screen that when they call me dude, I'm like, what was that? You know, and, um, and the lack of respect around here is, un no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they are, I got to say, our staff is extremely respectful. And it's just part of the conversation. It just comes out dude. But I just want to say this. God is not your dude. Okay. Dude, no, 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 no. We give honor where honors due. And there's some names for Jesus in the New Testament. All uh, speak to who he is, and one of them is not dude. Okay? He is our friend, he is close, but when we, when we look at the titles of Jesus in the Bible, uh, he's called Jesus the Christ, or Jesus Christ. Now, that's not his last name. Some people think, oh, that's his last name. no. Uh, it's actually a title, and it means anointed one or Messiah, Jesus the anointed one, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. So that's, that's one uh, title for Jesus. Another title is Son of God, and of course we understand that. There's God the Father, God the Son, uh, the only begotten Son. So, so we get that, that he's the Son of God. He's Jesus our Savior. That word Savior is used a lot, and, and that's so important because each of us need Jesus as a Savior. That's the whole reason Jesus came, was to be our Savior. But the number one word used in reference to Jesus is Lord, that he's our Lord. 
You see it on the screen in the New Testament, Savior, which we all need Jesus as our Savior, right? That's why he came, is used 24 times, while the word Lord is used 740 times. It tells us that this is who Jesus needs to be in our life. And yet we have a hard time understanding it. It's kind of like Christ. It, it, it doesn't mean the same thing today that it meant back then. And so when, when it's Lord, we have a hard time understanding it because we live in a Western society, a democracy. I don't know if you know this, but I think there's an election this year. Um, and we'll elect somebody. And, and, um, and, and what we think of is that when we elect somebody to any office, we think, you work for us, right? That's because we're free in America, right? And we, we elect our leaders. And so, you know, that idea of like, you work for us, I'm subject to no one, that's just kind of the American spirit because that's kind of birthed our nation, all of those things. And so we, we don't see ourselves subject to anyone. And any king that we see on the news, like in England or something, we just laugh at kind of as a joke, right? It's like, seriously? That, it, there's not, we don't have this idea of the sovereign authority over us. We feel extremely independent in our lives. And yet God says, no, I'm the Lord of your life. I'm to be the sovereign ruler of your life. We don't know what it's like to bow our knee to someone who's in authority over us. And yet God set it up that way. That, that you may not understand this, but the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, you were born a slave of sin. You didn't sign up for that. You were subject to sin. And, and, and there's no nice way to translate that Greek. You are a slave of of sin. But then what Jesus does is he frees you from that slavery. So you're no longer a slave to sin, past or present. He, you are free from the power of sin, but that doesn't make you a free agent. It, it says, no, now you're a slave of Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting, the terminology, that you're now a slave of Jesus Christ. You've passed from a slave to sin to a slave under God's authority, under Jesus' authority, or or supposed to be under his authority. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Write this down. Jesus is our King. Jesus is our king. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is our king. He is the vine. And guess what? He gets to call the shots in my life. I don't. If I'm truly a follower of his and I'm truly connected to the vine and I'm allowing God to be at work in my life pruning me, I don't get to call the shots. He does. When Luke was little, we would go to the grocery store. And when he was a toddler, and Luke's always been kind of tall, uh, he, would, he would love to push the cart around. But he wasn't tall enough to see over the, the shopping cart. <coughs> Excuse me. But he loved to push it. But when you can't see over the top and there's things in it, you run into people 
or you knock things over. And, and so he, he, but he just loved, like, just, just, you know, going through the, going through the store. <coughs> Excuse me. And so what I would have to do is I'd have to put my hand on the cart to kind of guide it so, so he wouldn't hit somebody or something. And guess what? When that hand came on, his hands were like, get, 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 you know, you know get off. He didn't, he, he didn't want me. And I would try to subtly, like, try to, and, and just any time my hand came, he didn't want my help. But he needed my help. Sometimes we don't want God's help. God puts it, I don't want your help. But you need his help. You need his guidance. He's going to protect you from running into people and into things that you shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't have those accidents. And and so we have to, to live with God, with his hand on our cart, his hand on our life, that, that my life is not my own, it belongs to God. You can write this down. If Jesus is truly Lord of our lives, then every area of our life will be submitted to his will. That if he is the Lord of my life, and that's not like in question here, he is the Lord of your life, but the question becomes, do I allow him to be at work in every part of my life? There's two types of warfare in our lives, and these are very real things. There is spiritual warfare, where the enemy and the demonic realm is trying to destroy your life. So there is a real war going on. But as blood-bought believers, Satan has no authority in our life. But there's another war. We call it a personal warfare, and, and that's when we're not operating according to the spirit, we're operating according to the flesh. And when I choose to operate according to the flesh, that's when the enemy can come in. I'm giving the enemy room. I'm, I'm inviting, because I'm not, I'm not living according to what God says in his word, the spirit leading me. I'm, I'm living according to the flesh, and, and that's where the enemy comes in. That's what trips me up. And so, as we see in here, I've got to give every area of my life. I, I can't just let him sweep out some rooms and not other rooms in my life. So, what the Bible says is how then I mold my life. I don't mold God's word to fit my life. I fit my life to mold God's word, or to be molded by God's word, I should say. And so what happens is, is that what does the Bible say about wealth? What does it say about possessions? What does it say about sexual purity? What does the Bible say about our callings in life? You may say, well, well, I could just go to college where I want to go to college, get a job where I want to get a job. I could. No, no, no. What does God say? Where does he want us? I've raised three boys, and they've always asked, God, Dad, what should I do? What should I do? And, and I always go, God, what is God telling you to do? Because whatever he tells you to do, that's what you have to do. 
You don't need to listen to me. Unless God speaks something to me and it bears witness with your spirit, you do what God tells you to do. Don't just pick a college because it's the best college or it's the cheapest college or it's, I can get my degree quickly and then I can get a good job. Don't just take that job because it's got the best benefit. No, where does God want you? Where is he assigning you? What, what romantic relationship is he saying yes to and no to? All of these things, we have to submit our life to him. All of our desires must be submitted to him so that our desires are his desires. That's, that's where we got to get to. It says in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If I truly love God, I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to obey him. Whatever he says in his word, that's what I'm going to do. And Jesus requires obedience. He doesn't have time for disobedience. He, he says, no, it's absolute commitment, complete surrender. 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifice. Saul had completely disobeyed God. And so he's going to make a big sacrifice to God to make everything right. And Samuel has to come in and says, look, God doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your obedience. Why is God so hung up on our obedience? It's because he wants our heart. He wants a relationship. It's not just he, he's insecure, so if you don't obey him, he'll, he'll be mad and, 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 and he'll feel bad. No, he... he we need to get to that place of obedience where, where we give him our heart. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Do you notice what he's saying there? It's not what you say, Lord. It's what you do, what your heart, when you obey. It's not just confessing, it's, it's action as well. It's relationship. So when there's no obedience, is there really a relationship? I'm going to give you life's biggest question. This is not hyperbole. This question will define your entire life, and it's this. Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? That question will define your life. It's the question that Satan used in the garden. Did God really say that? Is that really true? Can God be trusted? I know that you're sitting here saying, well, yes, of course, God can be trusted. But here, what if I don't get what I want? What if it's not my way or, or, or my timing? What if, what if it hurts? What if what God's asking me to do is really hard? What if it's not part of my plan? What if I think he's not even listening, that he doesn't even care about me? Can God be trusted? Yes, he's good. His promises are true. He, he's faithful. His love never ends. 
See, it's not about I'm going to follow God and get everything I want. I'm going to follow God and get everything he wants for me. And trust me, what he wants for you is the best thing ever. Can God be trusted? I can stand up here today and say, absolutely. Is it easy? No. (laughs) But it's good. It's the best. Write this down. Abide and submit to God's work in your life. No matter what, abide and submit to God's work in your life, even when you don't understand it, even when it's not what you want, just abide and submit to that. Put your faith in him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Just God is true to his word and say, okay, God, you said you're good. You said your love endures forever. You said you have good plans for me. I'm trusting you. And surrender it all to God. I think sometimes we surrender, but we're stingy. We surrender, but not all the way. And, and God says, I want you to follow me with your whole heart. Follow my whole word, no matter the cost. Don't compromise. Don't be stingy. Don't, don't hold on to any sin that's keeping you from God. Lay your life down. If you read the message version of, of John 15, it says, make your home in him, and he'll make his home in you. Abide in him and he'll abide in you. Make your home in him. Matthew 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciple, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Remember what I said earlier? Following Jesus will cost you. Not following Jesus will cost you even more. I'm imploring you today, as we dive deep this week and even deeper next week, submit to the Lord. He is good. Don't be stingy. Give him everything. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? I want us to just give us time at the end of service to make room for him. Just, just 10 more minutes together. Let's just, let's give ourselves to God completely and wholly. As God even spoke to his word earlier, he wants to come in with that broom and sweep out our lives. And he wants to examine every branch to remove those that are dead, to those that aren't, aren't producing any fruit. We gotta, we've got to get rid of those things. They're stealing from the abundant life that God has for us. God's got good things for you. He has good plans for you. Just submit to him. Bow that knee today. He's your savior. He's, he's already saved you. He, he loves you. You've, you've come into his kingdom. He says, I've washed you with my word. Now abide in me. He's good. He can be trusted. I'm asking you to make some more room for him in your life. And even in that prophetic word, it, was that, that he was with joy kind of sweeping out your life. Let him do that even now as we worship for a moment. Holy Spirit, come, do your work. Father, come and prune us today. We make room for you. We make room for you, God.